Hello, hi, and welcome to this episode of the Mandy Mayer podcast. As per usual, this is the podcast where we chat all about getting healthier, creating healthier habits, and in the process of doing that, losing fat. I posted a question box on my stories on Instagram and Facebook asking you what questions you had with regards to your fat loss expedition. So today within this episode, I'm going to answer as many of those questions as possible so that you can continue learning and implement what I'm about to tell you. If at any point you learn anything during this episode of the podcast or any other episode that you do listen to, please feel free to rate or review the podcast. Also, if you feel that someone else will learn for it, please don't hesitate to send it to them. And as always, thank you so much to every single one of you who do listen to the podcast, who do share it, who do rate and review it, and who do purchase virtual coffees. As I always say, I really do appreciate this. Now, let's jump into these questions. Okay, before I jump into the questions, if you did not ask a question, I don't want you to feel as though you are not going to learn from this episode of the podcast, because a lot of the times people ask the same questions as what you are thinking, or maybe even the same thing as what you are struggling with. So, do listen to the entire episode of this podcast because you're probably going to learn something from it. Question number one. Don't worry, I won't do that at the start of every question. Question number one. I've been doing my 10,000 steps a day for two weeks now, most days. At which point do I increase this target? So two things that stood out for me here is most days and for two weeks now. So the first thing that I would suggest is continue collecting that data and your averages for about a month and actually look what your average step count is per day over the month. So you might be doing 10,000 steps on most days, but then on the other days you might be doing far less. So your average steps for the day might be 9,000, might be 8,000, might be 11,000, who knows. So before you decide you want to increase your steps, have a look at exactly what you are doing per day based off your averages. So not off most days of every single day and that you will find in your averages of what you have done over the last two weeks. And let's say you come to find you are averaging around 10,000 steps per day. That for me is phenomenal. That is amazing. There were studies released where it stated that anything over 7,500 or 8,000 steps per day adds extremely huge amount of benefits to your health. Now, if you are sitting at a step target of, say, 2,000 per day, or an average, sorry, or 3,000 per day, or 4,000 per day, then I would say look at increasing that on a very regular basis until you get to that amount of, say, 7,500 or 8,000 steps per day, so that there is continued growth within that habit. And then when you get to, say, 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 steps per day, I want you to consider the following. Increasing your steps, is it going to be taking time? a way that you can utilize on something else, for example. So let me put that into perspective. I'm currently sitting on a step target range of 12,000 to 15,000 steps per day. That is a sweet spot for me. Could I increase that to 20,000 steps per day? Absolutely, yes. But then that means I'm going to have to cut out time of my day, whether it's from work, whether it's from whatever I'm doing, to go and go for that extra walk. And that for me is not going to be majorly beneficial. So then I draw the line line at 12 to 15,000 steps per day. So if you are averaging 10,000 steps per day, I wouldn't necessarily say that you have to always look at increasing it and increasing it and increasing it rather than just focus on the consistency of getting those 10,000 steps per day. So in short, if you are averaging at a lower number of steps, yes, we want to see a gradual increase so that you can reap all the benefits from increasing your steps. If you are averaging 10,000 steps per day and you're okay with that, 
that, then that's also 100% fine. Moving on to the next question. How to tone muscle after losing body fat? Toning muscles is essentially building lean muscle mass in your body. Now that you are out of your fat loss phase, you would then not be eating in a calorie deficit. You would be eating in a maintenance amount of calories. And on those maintenance amount of calories, you ideally going to want to make protein your focal point because protein is going to help with the building of your lean muscle mass. And then you're going to want to focus on strength training, resistance training, weight training, whatever you want to call it, because that is what is going to help you build that lean muscle mass. And that is what's going to give it that toned effect. So in short, essentially, eat your protein, get to the gym and lift weights. Now, I know a lot of people thinking, oh, I don't necessarily want to lift weights because I don't want to become bulky. I'm going to tell you now, becoming bulky doesn't just fucking happen by mistake. It's sort of like saying, oh, I don't want to work because I don't want to become a millionaire by mistake. That shit does not happen. These women or people in general that you see that are bulky, they put hours and hours and hours of work into their gym work as well as into their nutrition. It is carefully planned. So lifting some weights and eating your protein, I can assure you now, getting bulky doesn't just happen, okay? So don't let that be a fear of yours. Don't be scared of that. If you want to quote-unquote tone up your muscles, like I said, eat your protein, get to the gym and just be consistent with it. If you are new to the gym, my biggest piece of advice or suggestion would be is to get a structured program. Whether you sign up with an online PT or a PT within the gym or you download one for free online, get a program. The reason why I say that is because it gives you structure. It gives you something to follow. So when you walk into that gym, you don't just look at all the different equipment, feel overwhelmed and have nothing to follow so then you leave (laughs) and I laugh because that's what was happening to me. I was just like, oh, well, what now? And then I signed up to have a online coach who structures my programs for me. And I tell you, it is a game changer. I walk into the gym. I know what I'm doing. I don't waste time. I don't feel overwhelmed. I get my shit done and I go home. There is nothing better than having some structure in anything that we do in life. The next question is something that I get and that I see on a very regular basis. Did you have knee pain when you started running at a heavier weight? So firstly, I didn't start running at my heaviest weight. I waited for about six months, seven months before I actually started running. So I had lost a fair amount of body fat weight before I actually started running. For the first six months, I focused purely on step targets. I would walk to the shop instead of driving to the shop. And that was all that I focused on was my daily step targets. And I made sure that I smashed them. Now, what I see a lot of overweight people do is turn to running as a form of fat loss. And we have to be real with one another here. The more weight you are carrying on your body, the higher, the harder the impact is going to be on your joints. But because I didn't start running at my heaviest weight, I didn't have that knee pain that a lot of people do speak of. Because my main form of activity was walking and there was a lot less impact on my joints and my knees through walking. One thing I will suggest is if you are very overweight and you are carrying a lot of extra body fat, don't rush into running. Start through walking. Start by increasing your steps. And know that even a movement as basic, I say basic because it is very basic, as walking can have major, major benefits for your health and fat loss. You don't need to go buy the latest pair of running shoes, put them on and go run as soon as you start your fat loss expedition. I think if there's anything that puts people 
off exercise on their fat loss expedition is because it's causing them pain. It's not comfortable. It's not enjoyable. And it just seems overwhelming. And a lot of the times, as I mentioned, a lot of people will start off with running immediately. And I can be honest with you, as a long distance runner right now, running does seem easy. But I can tell you, it's not the easiest of things, especially if you are carrying a lot of extra body weight. My advice would be to ease into it, start with a day daily step target, get those daily steps of yours, drop some body fat and then reassess the running plan. Even when you do start running, start off with a walk run strategy so that it does seem more doable. You see, my biggest fear is that you are in constant pain and that's going to put you off from doing any form of exercise. So rather do a lower impact exercise to start off with and then gradually progress into running if that's what you want to do. I was humming and hawing about the next question as to whether I should answer it or not. But then I thought, you know what, fuck it, let's answer it. Just so that if you are going through an emotional struggle or any struggle for that matter, you know that, yes, it's going to be difficult at the time, but there is also light at the end of the tunnel. The question reads, what is the hardest thing you've had to do and work through? And, you know, I sat thinking about this question and over the years I've had to push through a lot of different struggles and a lot of different hardships to get to the point where I am today, which I've openly discussed in a number of episodes of my podcast. On the 20th of February this year, it was a Monday, I remember the day clearly, my mom got diagnosed with cancer. I also remember that on the 20th of February this year was the start day of my second coaching program of the year. I remember I had about 70 clients in that group program, all super motivated to get started, all wanting to work on change, all wanting to work on their health expedition. And I knew that they would turn to me for help and guidance and motivation and inspiration because that's my role as a coach. And then I remember getting a message from my mom about an hour before I had to start the Zoom call with this brand new group where she told me she was diagnosed with cancer. I had about 45 minutes to get my shit together, put my emotions to one side and show up onto that group call with this new group of people and motivate them. And that honestly was the toughest thing that I've had to do was show up as a strong person and be there as a leader when deep down inside a little piece of me had just died. And I ran that call effortlessly like there was no sign of emotion. And you know what? That actually scared me. It really scared me. But as soon as I finished that call, (laughs) everything that was a tear came out of my eyes. But I also can't even put into words the amount of things that that one small moment taught me. The biggest takeaway that I had from that is how strong I can be and the difficult things that I can push through. And you know what, when I got to face difficult things now, I always look back to the 20th of February and I'm like, fuck it, Mandy, if you could do that, you can absolutely do anything that is thrown across your path. And I would absolutely not change it because I learned so much from it. I learned so much about myself from that very moment. And just on a side note, I'm not sure if I have mentioned this or not, but I want to say that my mom is cancer-free and in remission from, I think, August this year, which is phenomenal. It's a blessing. It's a massive miracle. 
Okay, let's move on to the next question. I'm struggling to get over my mental block in terms of eating right and working. Now, I'm not sure if it's meant to be eating right and working out or if it's just working. But let's tackle that first part where you say you're struggling to get over your mental block in terms of eating right. The thing that stood out to me and the thing that we need to address is what do you consider eating right? Because a lot of the times I've seen people stuck in that sort of mindset of eating right is a very specific way. So it has to, for example, be chicken and broccoli and cauliflower or eating right could be seen as your very specific diet foods. And when we look at it like that, oftentimes that mental block does take place because it just seems way too restrictive. Oftentimes, we also look at all the foods that we need to remove or we look at all the things that we need to stop doing. If you change that mindset to what can I add to the plan and what can I start doing, more often than not, that helps break that little bit of a mental funk that you've got going on. So, for example, instead of saying, oh, I have to remove chocolate, can you ask yourself, oh, can I potentially add some more protein to my plan? Or, oh, could I potentially add some more vegetables to one or two of my meals per day? If working out in a gym overwhelms you, ask yourself, can I go for a walk after work today? Or can I potentially go for a walk before work today? Or can I use my lunch break to walk around outside? So again, you would be breaking up and reducing that overwhelm that comes with a very black or white mindset or way of thinking about fat loss. And the moment you do that, not only do you make it less complicated, but you then make it feel or seem more doable in your mind. And that's where you start actioning things. A mental block to getting started could also very well come from the fact that you feel like you might need to tackle everything once. So for example, get your nutrition spot on from day one, get your workout spot on from day one. Maybe you are in search of finding the perfect plan and you're not executing any plan because you feel you don't have the perfect plan. And that's where that mindset shift of saying, you know what, I don't need the perfect plan to progress is so beneficial. Start with what you have. Like I said, start with increasing your vegetable intake, even if it is just with one meal per day. Start with drinking one extra glass of water per day. Start with looking at where you can increase your steps throughout the day. By doing it like that, by focusing on the basics, by gradually increasing or improving little areas or tweaking little areas within your plan, you're going to progress so much. And I think the biggest thing that stops progress is people thinking that we need the perfect plan for progress to take place and that is not the case you need a plan and you need consistency and you also need to know that every single little small no matter how small it seems change that you make is amazing and it's going to add to the progress of your expedition and if we take it a step further remove the scale from the equation if that is the thing that's getting to you because sometimes we set such big and drastic goals for that number on the scale that 
it makes us feel as though we need to do big and drastic things to get that scale to shift. But if you focus on improvement of your health over a gradual period, that is a major, major mindset shift. And when you look at it from the perspective of improving your health and extending your lifespan, that often sparks that little fuel or fire within you to start. The next question we've got is how to keep a promise to myself. It's not that simple to me. Now, everyone is very different when it's going to come to something like this and everyone has very different personalities. But what I would suggest that you do is ask yourself why you made that promise to yourself. Ask yourself why keeping that promise to yourself is important and then write that promise down somewhere where you can see it so that you can constantly remind yourself of that promise that you have made to yourself. I want to go as far as saying you know what sometimes we make these massive drastic promises that it really is just difficult to keep that promise and I want to say as well if you've made a massive massive promise I want to look at it more or less like goal setting as well if you've made a massive goal or set a massive target for yourself that is great and it gives you something to work towards but you have to break it down into smaller little targets so that it's achievable and that's the same with promises to yourself you can make this massive massive promise but it's got to be broken down into smaller little promises aka daily non-negotiables little things like that so that you're actually giving yourself a chance to achieve it and I think a lot of it has got to do with the wording of the promise or the way you set the promise up if I can put it that way. When I started on my health expedition, I made a promise to myself and my promise was I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up no matter how hard it gets. I didn't promise myself that I'm going to lose 40 kilograms. I didn't promise myself that I'm going to run a marathon. I didn't promise myself X, Y or Z. I made myself a promise that allowed room for error. So every time that I did go through a struggle or every time that I did go through a dip, I wasn't hard on myself because the bottom line of my promise to myself was just not giving up and that allowed days for struggles that allowed days to go into cruise mode that allowed days that there was error and I was fine with it but if your promise is like oh, I promise I'm not going to eat chocolate for three weeks this it's it's um, maybe it's a bit of a far-fetched promise for example so at the end of the day, maybe we need to relook those promises that we are making to ourselves and see if they are achievable, see if there is wiggle room, see if there is room for the lack of better words error, for example. And it's the same with the example that I always use is give your best every day, knowing that your best can be different every single day. If you've got 10% to give on one day and you give 10% for that very specific day, that is you giving your best. There also always has to be a certain amount of flexibility in things that we do not negotiables that we work on, goals that we work on, promises that we make to ourselves. And we have to be okay with that level of flexibility as well. And then if something doesn't go according to plan, or if we don't hit a non-negotiable, or we break a small little promise to ourselves, instead of dwelling in it, instead of hating ourselves, let's learn from it and move forward. And then the last question we've got is, I travel a lot for work. It always stresses me out to gain weight during my travels. I do see this a lot. And the biggest thing for me is before you travel, regardless if it's a once-off travel or if it's very regular travel for work, make a list of the things that you can control whilst you are away and the things that you can't control whilst you are away. To your surprise, you will see that there's a lot more that you can control when you are traveling. 
Yes, you're going to be out of routine a little bit, but most likely you'll be able to control your steps, set yourself a step target based on your travel schedule. You may not be able to control the food that is served to you if you are staying in hotels, but can you control your portion sizes or your serving sizes? If you can book an Airbnb or a self-catering unit, that is a bonus as well because then you are in control of the food choices. I used to travel a lot for work when I was in my initial fat loss phase. There was one year, I think out of the entire year, I was home for maybe four weeks. I remember landing home from the UK. I was at home for one night and the very next morning I headed off to the airport to fly to Brazil. And it was inconvenient because my routine was totally messed up. But the biggest thing that I did is I told myself that I have to make it work because this is my job. This is what I do for a living. So immediately I started focusing on the things that I could control. At the airports whilst I was waiting for flights, instead of sitting in the local restaurant having beers and burgers, I would be focusing on walking around the airport like a lunatic just to get my steps. I would still continue carrying my bottle of water around with me to make sure that I drank my water. Given the opportunity, I would book a self-catering unit so that I could control my food choices. If I couldn't book a self-catering unit and I was in a hotel, I would always, always be mindful around my portion sizes. If I was in a different country, I would always Google map the area that I was staying in to look where the closest park is so that I could go for a walk there. Or I would always look where my closest or my next meeting was. If the meeting was in walking distance, I would then walk as opposed to taking an Uber or a train or whatever the case. If you do travel frequently for work, what worked for me was having a set structure and routine for when I was at home and then being okay with a little bit of a disrupted structure and routine when I was away. So when I was away, my expectations changed. I was like, okay, cool. My routine is not going to be the same. I can't expect to have the same expectations whilst I am traveling. There were times where I was in Australia for a month. Because it was a month, I knew I had to have some sort of routine and structure whilst I was away. But then there was times where I was in London for four days. And I was like, okay, these four days, I can push myself into maintenance and I can enjoy all the meetings that I'm going to and to the after parties and whatever it is and come back and get straight back into my normal routine. But again, the most important thing for me, if you travel a lot, sit down today and make a list of the things that are totally out of your control when you are traveling. And by things, I mean your habits, your healthy habits. Make a list of everything that is out of your control and you will actually see that you are in control of so much more than what you actually think. But what happens, and it's just human nature, is a lot of the times we focus or we get fixated on the things that we can't control and we're like, oh, I can't control that. So what's the point of actually doing anything? But in actual fact, you are in control of so much more regardless of where you are at. Yes, it does make it more difficult because you don't have that routine and you don't have that structure. But that's why I say when you are traveling, right, try and set up some sort of travel routine and structure for yourself just so that you do feel a little more in control. And again, it comes down to that mindset of knowing that not everything has to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Like there might be a week where you don't eat any vegetables at all because the country you're in is just too expensive to afford fresh veggies, for example. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you've ruined your plan. It just means for a week you didn't eat vegetables. Maybe where you stay in doesn't have a gym. So maybe for the week you don't gym. Again, it doesn't mean you've ruined your plan. Can you focus on your steps and get your movement through your 
steps. The biggest thing here is to seek the opportunities and create the opportunities for yourself to proceed with executing your habits. And the execution might be different. And that's also okay. But at the end of the day, I can assure you that we are in control of a lot more than what we actually think. We just have to be okay with a plan not being as rigid as it would be when we are at home and in our routine. That's all from my side today. I think I have worked through most, if not all, of the questions. On that note, I'm going to love and leave you like I usually do. Keep smiling, keep laughing, and keep being kind to one another. Much love, your friend who appreciates your support, Mandy.